Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello, and welcome once again to This One Thing. My name is Carrie Kenyon Dern, and each week we take a look at a specific verse, and then we take a truth from that verse. And so from that truth, we're making a choice. And that choice helps us to apply God's word to our life each week. Last week, we talked about being clay in the hands of a potter. And we talked about how that's a painful process. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But it's so important for us to realize when we go through difficult things that God is not distant, that he's not far away. And this week, I want to look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, because it's really a continuation of what we were talking about last week. John is sharing with us this picture, this insight, this glimpse that he received from the Lord into heaven. And I really encourage you to read the entire chapter. Read all of Revelation chapter 4 after you listen to this podcast, because it's going to help you to really get more insight, more background, and more information. I want to just give you kind of the 36,000 foot view of what's going on here. John is given this beautiful picture of the worship that's happening in heaven. He sees a picture of God seated on the throne and the cherubim, which are described as these living beings, and their, their description is given in great detail. Then there are these 24 thrones with elders And the elders are believed to represent you and I, man. Specifically, a lot of scholars believe that the 24, that number, 24 thrones, 24 elders, is representative of the 12 tribes of Israel and then the 12 apostles, making the number 24. But it's pretty much undisputed that those 12 thrones that are next to God's throne in heaven are men, God's church representing you and I in heaven. So you can read the whole chapter for yourself. What I want to do is I want to read the two verses preceding right before our verse of the week, which is verse 11. I want to read verse 9 and 10 and pack that a little bit. And then we're going to jump into the meat of verse 11 together. So Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 say this, whenever the living beings, now those would be the cherubim, give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne. And this is what they say. So before I get into what they say in verse 11, I want to reiterate here that the 24 elders, those 24 thrones that the elders are sitting on, those represent us. Those represent God's people, you and I. And the crowns that these 24 elders are throwing before the throne, they're not crowns of royalty. They're Stephanos in the Greek, crowns of victory, crowns of achievement. So if you think of a marathon runner completing the race, or you think of you know some scholar winning a prize, you're, you're getting a crown, a victory crown for whatever you have physically accomplished. That's what these Stephanos crowns are that are being laid before the throne of God. So once we understand that the four living creatures here are cherubim, and that we know that from Ezekiel chapter 1 
specifically Ezekiel chapter 1 verses 4 through 14 and Ezekiel chapter 10 verses 20 through 22, those living cherubim, those angelic beings that are described in detail in this chapter, every time they worship, God's people worship. That means 24-7 worship is happening before the throne of God in heaven. Now, what are God's people represented by these elders? What are they saying? Verse 11, our our verse of the week says this, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created everything and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. So a couple things here I want to pull out. The first thing I want to pull out is how we got here from last week. Remember last week we talked about he's the potter, we are the clay. He created us out of nothing, pulled earth from the ground, made clay, formed us with great intention and care. That is the same picture that we're seeing here in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. You created us, God, with great intention. Now, you also created us to bring you pleasure. He didn't create us just to work for him, just to do his bidding. He created us because we bring pleasure to him. And that's a game changer when we understand that God enjoys us. He wants to spend time with us. He longs for us to come into his presence and to spend time with him. As we're reflecting on this passage, we're understanding, first of all, that yes, he created us. He is the potter. But we also need to understand that because we were created to give him pleasure, we will never be fully satisfied until we are giving back our glory to him. So what's happening in the counseling office is I'm meeting virtually with clients. I'm hearing again and again and again because of the hardships, because of the trials, because of the difficult circumstances so many of us are going through, either financially or relationally or with our health. So many people that I know and love and care about are asking questions like, Carrie, where is God in my circumstance? Why is he allowing this in my life? Can I trust him, Carrie? Is he good? Does he care what I'm going through? And Carrie, how do I reconcile a verse like this that he created me for his pleasure, that I'm supposed to honor him and glorify him when my life is full of suffering? So I want to dig into this verse today. I want to ask you the question, is he worthy? Or are you struggling to believe that he cares? Are you having a crisis of faith? Are you wondering where God is at in your life? So for me, the very first verse that comes up as I reflect on Revelation 4 verse 11 is found in Romans 8, 17. And I encourage you to look at this verse because in this verse, we are promised that we are his children. We are promised in Romans 8, 17 that everything that God gives to his son, Jesus Christ, also belongs to us, his children. But then a very difficult statement for us to swallow is laid out for us to really work through. It's a weighty thing to work through for sure. And and in Romans 8, verse 17, it says this, if we are to share in the inheritance, to share in everything that belongs to Jesus, we must also share in his suffering. Suffering in our lives is not evidence of God being a wall. 
It's not evidence of him leaving us alone, forgetting about us, or abandoning us. It is actually his way of saying, you belong to me. You are going to grow in me. You are going to learn of me. I allow adversity in your life because I know 100% that adversity is going to draw you to myself. You're going to know my love. You're going to know my heart. You're going to have an intimacy in your relationship with me that would never, ever be possible if your life was exactly what you wanted it to look like. If you got everything that you wanted the moment that you got it. So as I'm reading this verse here in, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, I'm realizing that as this is a picture of worship in heaven, as you and I are represented by these elders that are 24-7 worshiping God, I realize that if I am to be prepared for heaven, if you are to be prepared for heaven for all eternity with the potter, the God who created us, this is something that we need to be applying in our lives today. So you might say, Carrie, how would I apply this? How would I apply Revelation 4.11 to my life? Well, over and over and over again in the counseling office, I am having this exact conversation where people are sharing with me the unspeakable hardship and loss, the crisis, the drama, the suffering in their lives, and they don't understand it and they don't have a context for it. And the enemy is trying to convince them that God doesn't care or that he has abandoned them. So here is the million dollar weighty question for us today. Listener, if Jesus himself were to walk up to you right now and very gently and very lovingly grab your face, put your face in his hands and say, look into my eyes, dear, my precious son, my precious daughter. I know that what I'm asking you to go through seems so unkind. It's so painful. It's so hard. It's so difficult, but I need you to look into my eyes. I need you to see how much I love you. And I'm asking you today, dear child of mine, if I need you to go through this, what I'm asking you, what I'm trusting you with today, this great loss, this great difficulty, the pain in your life, if I need you to go through this, for my glory, even though you can't understand how this would glorify me, even though you have no context and no understanding, if I need you to go through this so that I will be glorified through your life, will you trust me with this today, this situation? The loss of your loved one, the loss of your health, the loss of your financial security, the loss of your job, the loss of whatever it is, the pain, the suffering, you fill in the blank. Jesus is saying to you face to face today, dear listener, will you count the cost and will you decide whether or not I am worthy? Am I worthy of what I'm asking you to go through? Because if you can surrender that difficulty in your life today and you can say, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't agree with your plan. But Jesus, if this is what you need me to go through, I'm going to decide today that you are worthy. And then you declare this passage from Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and the power in my life. For you created everything, including me, and it is for your pleasure that I exist and I was created. This is a two-part surrender as I see it. We talked about those Stephanos crowns that the elders are laying down those are crowns of accomplishment. 
We need to lay down what we have achieved, what we would take credit for, our gifts, our abilities, our talents. Certainly, yes, we need to lay those down before the throne today and say, God, everything I have is because of you. But we also need to be reconciling that here, it doesn't just say he deserves the glory and the honor for all of our achievements. He also receives this acknowledgement of his power, that picture of being the potter, that acknowledgement that we are the clay. God, you are worthy to have the power in my life, even in the areas that I don't like or agree with what you're allowing. This is practice for heaven. If we're going to be worshiping him, for all of eternity, we can't just expect that we're going to show up for heaven and be able to magically say you are worthy then. We need to count the cost and call him worthy today. He's worthy for our rewards, for our accomplishments, to get the credit for what we're able to do, but he's also worthy of whatever he's asking us, whatever he's asking you to endure today. The picture that I have in my mind of this is I often go to my parents' church in South Carolina for Christmas. I've gone there for many years, and I live in California. They live in South Carolina. So I now go with my husband, and we love to celebrate the Christmas season with my parents in South Carolina. And every year during their Christmas service, they have an invitation for anyone who is at that Christmas candlelight service to come up and to join the choir singing the hallelujah chorus. But there's a stipulation. They don't say, hey, do you want to come up and sing? They say, hey, if you're in the audience, even if you don't attend church here, if you're out there and you've ever sing in the hallelujah chorus in your life, we welcome you up to the stage to sing with our choir. I've gone up a couple times, not because I'm a great singer. In fact, I would strongly say that I am not a great singer, but I took high school choir and we sang the hallelujah chorus in high school choir. I've sang it before. I got some practice. So I'll go up and I'll join the choir, not because I'm awesome at it, but because I know the song, the song of eternity, dear one, is God, you are worthy. You're worthy to receive the glory and the honor for all of my accomplishments, everything I'm able to do, everything I'm able to earn, everything that I am able to give to my family, to my friends, to my workplace, every accolade that I would receive this side of heaven and when I get to heaven. But you are also worthy of this position of power in my life because you're the potter, I'm the clay, and you get to decide what is good. And you get to decide how you want to glorify yourself through my life, even if it's painful and I don't like it. So we have a choice before us today. We have a choice whether or not we are going to lay those Stephanos crowns, those crowns of victory at his feet. But I think even more difficult for most of us is are we going to choose today, make the choice that he is worthy It's not a feeling because today you might say, Carrie, that's too hard of a question. What I'm going through is too painful. You don't understand. But our preparation for heaven, dear one, is to say, God, you are worthy. You get the glory. You get the honor. But you also get the position of power in my life. And if what I am going through today, the challenge, the difficulty, the suffering, the painful place in my life, if this is what you need me to go through so that you can be glorified for in my life, I choose to say, God, you are worthy. You are worthy today as you will be for all eternity. 
Dear one, I invite you to meditate on this passage. I invite you to, to wrestle with this weighty question of God, can I say that you are worthy of whatever you're asking me to go through? Next week, I'm actually going to have my sister Kim here with me. And Kim has been suffering with ALS. Her symptoms started in 2012. And for many years now, not only has she not been able to walk, she's completely paralyzed. She's unable to speak. And so she's going to be joining us through her eye gaze computer. She actually looks at a computer screen and the computer will type out what she's looking at and she will be joining us through her eye gaze computer. She'll be able to speak with me and share with me next week. And this is a woman that understands this picture of what's going on in heaven, and how it needs to crash into our lives today. We need to say, God, whatever you're asking me to walk through, even if it's ALS, even if I'm completely paralyzed, even if I can't speak, I'm going to say that you are worthy, God. Next week, we're going to be continuing this this posture of surrender with my sister, Kim. I will be in Psalm 46, verse 1. So I ask you and I encourage you to not only meditate on Revelation chapter 4, specifically verse 11 this week, but also go ahead and spend some time in Psalm 46 so that you're ready to continue this conversation with us next week. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would be men and women that say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive not only the glory and the honor for our accomplishments, but you are also worthy to receive the power in our lives today and for all eternity. You are the potter. We are the clay. We were created for your pleasure. And God, would you help us to say that whatever you're asking us to go through today, you are worth it you are worthy, that we would be prepared through the power of your Holy Spirit to worship with the angels, with the cherubim, with the 24 elders for all of eternity. You are worthy, Lord. You're not only worthy for all of eternity, you're worthy in our hearts and in our lives today. And it is in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.